Praise the Lord. We've been talking about the power of God working in us and working through us. We've been discussing um, the fact that God has made us containers, um, vessels, carriers of his presence, carriers of his power. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of The Practicing His Presence by Brother Lawrence, but it's a book that was written a long, long time ago, and it talks a lot about the things that we've been talking about here, just living in relationship with the Lord and understanding that literally in everything we do, the most mundane task in our life, doesn't matter if it's, wouldn't we, who here, <laughs> who here would like to mow some grass? I mean, I'm ready to mow the lawn. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the snow. But even in the mundane task of mowing the lawn, or doing the dishes, or doing the laundry, or whatever it is, realizing the secret, realizing the secret and that everything that we do, even if it's our job, which we don't particularly love, we can practice hosting God's presence in everything that we're doing. And so Brother Lawrence, he's a, he's a monk, and he's going, and everything he's doing in the natural, everything he's doing uh, in servitude to God, he's doing it with no presence of the Lord, no, no, no anointing, as we would say it. And he found in his relationship with God... If I would go out and till the garden, and while tilling the garden, anybody ever heard of the book that I'm talking about, Practicing the Presence of the Lord? If I would go out and till the garden, and while I till the garden, if I would purpose in my heart to invite God to come with me and to minister to me while I'm doing the menial tasks of my day, while I'm doing the, the servitude, even here in the church we can get this mindset or this mentality, well, we've got to set the chairs up and move the carpet out and bring the sound system in, but are we hosting the presence of the Lord, and are we realizing while we're doing what it is that we're doing that we're inviting him to come in with us and fellowship with us, amen? Fellowship with God. And Brother Lawrence... He, he got this understanding one day while literally his job was to till the garden so that way the monks could have food to eat. And he realized everything I'm doing, I'm doing in my own strength and I'm doing in my own ability. And that's not wrong, but I'm almost doing it without God. And I certainly could do it without God. And so he began to, to really press into the word of God and really begin to seek the Lord and say, why don't you come with me while I do the gardening and we'll do the gardening together. And history bears this out that as he really gave way to the presence of the Lord, he just began worshiping the Lord while he was gardening. He began seeking the Lord and talking to the Lord. And, and as that happened... People from the community, this, is, this blows my mind still to this day. People from the community came to watch him work in the garden. They came to watch a monk plant carrots and plant peas and bring potatoes up out of the earth because there was such an anointing that was there. <laughs> if we would get that understanding that we are hosting the Almighty God and that He is living on the inside of us. And while we're doing our menial task, while we're doing our chores, as we recall it today, that we can welcome Him to come and fellowship with us while we're doing those things. And it will absolutely affect people around us. 
The whole point of having this relationship with Jesus after we've received the salvation that will come is that we would begin to turn around and affect people that are around us. Amen. God is a God of the whole entire universe. He's not just looking at people who live in Michigan or the United States. He's a global God. He's looking at people from all different tribes and tongues and nations. Amen. And for us to think that the goodness of God was given to us just for us. Uh, is, a, is a humongous mistake that the church has made for years. But for us to spend time with the Lord, receiving and extracting benefits for us and what it is that we need, maybe a healing in our body or a healing in our emotions or a healing in our relationships or a healing in our finances or whatever it may be, but then realizing that as we're receiving for ourselves, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to then turn and look to others and see who we can be a blessing to him and ministering, serving those people who are around us. And even while we're planting carrots, the presence of the Lord would come on that monk and so overshadow him, so overtake him that people from the community would come and watch him serve in, in, in that monastery just so they could sense the presence of the Lord. And praise God for us. You know, we have a, a building here that we use as our church, and, and we have, uh, you know, people who will come in and be a part of this. And we're not out planting a garden. We're not out planting uh, peas and carrots and potatoes. But the principle still applies to us, doesn't it? The principle still applies to us that whatever it is that we're doing, we can have such a relationship with the Lord now, here, this is a man that many have argued that that type of relationship uh, became unattainable and unaccessible after the apostles died. But here, this man's just a few hundred, 200 years ago, not quite 200 years ago, outside of that range where God didn't do those types of things. And here, we see it recorded in history that yet he really did still do those things. And if we can get that understanding today that God will still overshadow us, he'll still overcome us, he'll still allow his presence and his power and his goodness to come upon us, and it will affect the people around us. Amen? It will affect the people around us. We, we've got to get our minds renewed to the idea we must get our minds renewed to the idea that the overflow of the presence of the Lord in our lives can be felt by people who come into contact with us. We've got to understand that. We, and I believe that we've, we've lost a bit in the church. I've been in church my whole life. And I've seen trends come and go. And others who are here today, they've been maybe in the church longer than I. We've seen things happen, trends come and go, doctrines rise and come back down, and just the roller coaster of things. But the constant has always meant that I can have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if I'll latch on to that and extract all that is provided in that, then I can really start affecting those people who are around me because they're coming into contact, not with me, but they're coming into contact with someone who's hosting or carrying the presence of the Lord, the person of God by the Holy Spirit. Amen? You know, you walk up in uh, large buildings or whatnot, and you see the big transformers on the ground, and I better be careful because we have a master in the house, but they say danger. 
high voltage, do not touch. Anybody ever seen those big green transformers? That, that to me is, I, I am a transformer in God. We have high voltage on the inside of us. <laughs> Danger. If you don't want to get any on you, don't touch me. Why? Because it's me, right? It's, or it's Beej, or it's Art, or it's Dan. No, it's because the one who lives on the inside of us. John says that the, the one that's greater than the world lives on the inside of us. Amen? Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. The fullness of God, the Apostle Paul says, comes to dwell on the inside of us. The richest measure of Christ and his power, Paul says in Ephesians, comes to dwell on the inside of us. We really should, if we'll practice the word of God and practice this, this mindset and mentality, we really should be affecting other people based on our overflow. And the question comes, and it's not condemnation and it's not guilt, but the question comes, where's the disconnect? Where is the disconnect? Is it on heaven's end or is it on our end? Or is it on the end of those who we come into contact with? Because we may not be seeing, although we desire it, we may not be seeing people coming into contact with us, but not really us, but God in us. Amen? Amen. Christ in us is the hope of glory. The people coming into contact with us, we don't see changes happening in their lives yet. The Bible says in the book of Acts, and you know this, many of you have read this and you've heard me preach this, that, that there was such a demonstration of God's power in the early church. There was such a demonstration of God's uh, presence in the early church and such a demonstration of God's healing ability and willingness that they would lay people on mats out in the public so that way even the shadow of Peter would cast upon them and that they would be healed. My Bible tells me in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he'll do it then, then he can do it now. And all he's looking for is a Peter. All he's looking for is someone who's not perfect, but knows that they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Someone who's not, not, not well-spoken and educated and trained. The Bible tells us that, and I, we were touching this last week a little bit, but the Bible tells us that the religious leaders of the day, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and Sadducees, pulled Peter and John in and said, what authority is it that you use that this man who is lame from his mother's womb would be healed? And Peter said, well, we use the name of Jesus. I don't know what you guys use over here, but over here in the streets, we're using the name of Jesus, and it appears that it's working because there's such a notable miracle and the the religious leaders not the crowd and i made this distinction last week and some of you might have i don't get it the crowd doesn't care if you're educated or not the lame man doesn't care if you have a degree are you here the lame man does not care if you have proper english or proper spanish or proper german or proper russian or you fill in the languages of the earth the lame man just wants to know do you have the power to get me up out of this mat but the religious people looked at him and said, you don't have the training, you don't have the teaching, you don't have the education, so how is it that you did these things? How is it that you did these things? What they were looking for is, what was your rite of passage? What was your authority? What was your, Dr. Mize talks about in the army, when he was a clerk in the United States Army. 
that he had a stamp. And he would take his stamp, and on every order, there was an authority line. Now, I've never been in the military. I don't know this only to what he has said. I've heard him tell this testimony for 20 years. I know I'm getting it right. I still don't know what the authority line would look like. Couldn't show you one in person. But he would take the stamp and stamp on the authority line that it was a verbal order from the commanding officer. And we, that's what they're asking Peter and John. Where was your authority line? What did you do? How did you, you didn't do this because you went to the school of the prophets. You didn't do this because you were raised in Bible school. How did you, what was your authority? How did you do this? And Peter said, I don't know the law. I'm not perfect. I'm not a Pharisee. I don't know it like you know it. All I know is Jesus told me to do these things in his name. And they went out and they did it in his name. And God still today is looking for a Peter, looking for a John, looking for someone who will just open up their mouths and speak, Proverbs says, for those who can't speak for themselves. Still today, he's just looking for someone who say, I'm dumb enough to believe that you really meant what you said, and I'll go ahead and just try you and see if you'll really do it. Amen? Just believing that, that God is still willing and able to move today. But we do have a place in the matter like we were talking about with Brother Lawrence in the book, Practicing the Presence of God. We can set our attention in understanding this, and I know this is difficult. It's easier said than done. But the very things that we do on the job, we can treat as worship to the Lord. And invite him. And I know it's hard because we're dealing with bosses. And we're dealing with vendors. Or we're dealing with this. Or sometimes we're dealing with computers. Or sometimes we're dealing with, with people who just have horrible attitudes. But everything we do, we can, in our heart, do it as unto the Lord. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? Everything we do, whether in word or deed, do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And as we do that, and we even in our job, or even you know, in our service here in the house of God, the house of God isn't the house of God because it's a church or it's a community center. The house of God is because the children of God come and meet there. Amen? And so when we're serving here in the, in the house of the Lord, Everything we're doing. You mean to tell me that mopping the floor is worship to the Lord? Absolutely, it's worship to the Lord. Absolutely. And we can be so overcome by the presence of the Lord while we're mopping or vacuuming or, or serving. This isn't something that I say so that way we can get more people to help. This is something that I've lived in my life is serving the Lord. I want to do everything I can, like Moses, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't take me up from this place. If your power isn't there with me, if your presence isn't there with me, and there are days where it was easier <laughs> than others, someone say, amen. How many know the preacher's just as vulnerable as the one sitting in the chair? Temptation comes to us all. Amen. I know that this is hard to believe, but I've even heard about preachers preaching in the flesh and not under the presence of the Lord. And Lord, help us, Jesus. Amen. But the fact still remains is that, that we, we, our, our authority to be able to do these things, releasing the presence of the Lord that's overshadowing us into the lives of people that we meet, that authority is in the name of Jesus. We just say, in Jesus' name. The apostle 
Peter and John, after they left, they were sternly rebuked and warned in Acts not to mention the name of Jesus anymore. I made this comment last week, too, that the Sanhedrin did not understand the authority in Jesus' name. They were not intimidated by Jesus' name. They didn't understand it. They just were intimidated by the result. Something happened. Don't do what you did to get that to happen again. They weren't there when Jesus said, hey, all authority has been given unto me in my name. Go and make... They weren't there. They didn't hear that conversation. They didn't get that teaching. They didn't get that doctrine. All that they saw was that there was a power that was coming off of these men, an ability that came out of these men and went into a lame man's body. And in that power, he was raised up to life. His body received strength, life, zoe. And he was healed, lame from his mother's womb. And uh, they didn't have this... this <laughs> issue with the name of Jesus or they didn't even have a doctrine on the name of Jesus all they knew is you do something we can't do stop doing what you're doing and how are you doing it well how do you know that John chapter 3 you know we might not turn to a particular verse this morning but how many know I've given you lots of them already and we're going to just keep sharing the word this morning I just felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage you this morning John chapter 3, in the, in the cover of night, Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Nicodemus is a ruler of the synagogue. His job is to teach the people of Israel doctrine and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. Nicodemus says to Jesus, no man can do the things that you do unless that man came from God. I teach the same thing, nothing happens. You teach it, something happens. What's going on? Are you here? I can communicate these same things to you that you would turn around and communicate to somebody else, yet there's no demonstration of the power of God, no demonstration of the Spirit of God. What's the difference? Why is it that you can do these things and we can't do these things? Why is it that you have miracles? Why is it that people come to you to receive their eyes open, their ears open, their lame legs and limbs work? How? Are you doing these things? We can't do it. And Jesus' response was, well, you got to be born again. Have you ever thought about Jesus' response to Nicodemus' question? <laughs> what do you mean, you got to be born again? That's not what I asked you. Jesus said, but you got to be born, being born again is the first step. I'm going to come, I'm going to pay for this whole thing. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world would be saved. The very first step is to receive salvation, to be born again, because you have to become a container, a carrier, a vessel of the person of God. So the first thing you got to do is you've got to have God move on the inside of you and live there by the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And Nicodemus is like, I don't get it. You mean that me being a man fully grown would enter back into my mother's womb a second time? Jesus said, you don't get it. Can you imagine the thought that Jesus must have had in here you're teaching all of Israel? <laughs> but the apostle Paul said that it's the foolish things of the world that God chose to use to confound the wise. The foolish things have taken a fisherman and a tax collector, and a chiropractor, and a tent maker, 
foolish things and causing them to be established against the wisdom of men and the wisdom of tradition and the wisdom of education and the wisdom and God said I'm going to confound that you guys are going to be scratching your head that I'm using tent makers and fishermen and tax collectors amen our authority line today is the same that was with Peter and John I don't know about you, maybe I'm alone in this. I, I, I don't necessarily think that I am. But again, Hebrews says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for me, I believe, I believe this wholeheartedly, and I have scripture to back it up. Haggai chapter 2 is one of them. But I believe absolutely that the body of Christ should be walking in a greater level of power, a greater revelation and understanding of the Word of God than that of the early church. And you've heard me say this before. Uh, it bears repeating. I don't see anybody walking by sick people in their shadows carrying such a substance of the power of God that the lame man gets healed. But yet I don't remove it from my mind as being impossible today. Amen. So what is it that that is lacking what is it that is missing you can't tell me that there's more sin in the earth today than there was then it was just as dark then as it is now well they didn't have homosexuality and perversion uh, come again yeah, yeah they did there was perversion and sexual immorality and homosexuality running rampant in the early days of Rome but yet there's still this power working in them. Well, they were the first generation, first removed from Jesus. They had personal contact with him. Yeah, yeah, they did, but so do I. That hasn't been taken away from me just because I'm generations removed from the person of Jesus. I have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I've been brought into the same fellowship that Jesus and the Father have by the re relationship that I have with them by the Holy Spirit. So I have that same connection that they had. I, I'm, I'm not telling you I even have the answer to this. Re really. This is something I think about all the time. Why don't we have the same power in the church today that we had back then? I have ideas. I have some ideas. I believe that there are people today that even, that even are sitting here in this church that are just as faithful to God as there were at the very beginning first church released on the day of Pentecost. Just as faithful to God, love God just as much, desire God just as much. You should say amen to that. You're the one sitting in the chairs. <laughs> now I know the answer. You just told me the answer. Here I'm supposed to be bringing you information and you brought this information to me. Say amen or oh my. Has God changed his mind? Has he reduced his ability, his strength, his power? Nope. Nope. God changes not. Speculation. I believe that a lot in the church have lost their understanding that God has called them and made them righteous. And I believe that that opens up doubt and unbelief for the enemy 
to be able to steal power from us. I believe that. I believe that there are examples in the New Testament in the first church where they would get together in a house and not leave. No one had their cell phones on. I'm not against cell phones. I have one and use it probably too much, my wife would say. <laughs> and others who know me. But they didn't have this same distractions distracting them. They had distractions. They just shut the distractions off. Still had jobs, still had families, still had kids, still had houses. So I had to make sure that the thing was taken care of, whatever the thing may be. See, sometimes we think that these guys just walked around with no life, they just 24 hours a day, just like monks, just worshiping Jesus. I mean, they had a life. Are you here? Their life got interrupted and changed, and their desire and their passion shifted to what the Lord had told them that they were to do. But the, Peter had a mother-in-law. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, but I've heard that some people have trouble with theirs. Peter had a mother-in-law to deal with. I know that because Jesus healed her. Are you here? They had lives. I think probably if we were to think about it and talk it, talk it out and talk it through, I think that probably two bigger players would be that they were so close to the forgiveness that they had received and that there was such a revelation that came to them of that God had made them righteous. Because that's a power draw. You think that you're just a filthy sinner or a wretch that's been saved by grace, but God declares to us that we've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we would become the righteousness of God in him. And I believe that there was an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I'm not saying this because I'm here, but I believe that this group of people, and we have about half again missing, it seems like, but I believe this group of people really have a desire for the power of God and the Holy Ghost. But I believe that it's a, a problem in the body of Christ as a whole. <laughs> we don't know what to do with the Holy Ghost. We don't know what to think about him. We don't know what his job is. Did, did it end? Is it still happening? Can you do it through anybody or just the ones that are special? What you know, we're, we're so hung up on trying to figure out this Holy Spirit. All I can say is this if we will open up a door, God will step through it. That one thing I know if I will purpose in my heart, God, everything I'm doing here today. I'm opening up a door for you to step through it and to touch somebody else's life. And I believe that he'll be faithful to that. Amen. If, if I'm working or if I'm serving, whatever it is that I'm doing, being a mom, being a dad, being a husband, being a wife, being, being a helper in the church, being a businessman or being a janitor, whatever it is, a teacher, a nurse, if I'll open up a door for you, I think you'll step through it. You know, they walked out on limbs and then turned around and cut the branch off a lot of times. What are you going to do with that? When, when a, we're talking about Acts, when, when a lame man looks at you and says, I need alms, and Peter looks at him and says, look at me and give me your attention. He had already stepped out too far. Peter had already stepped out too far. It's too late. 
But what did Peter do when he said, look at me and give me your attention? He opened up a door for God to step through. I wonder if that might be part of our issue. We're not thinking that God could step through the door that we open up for him. Are you here this morning? Third time I've said this verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can't change. He doesn't change. He won't change. He cannot change. If he would, God would step through the door that Peter opened, then God would step through the door that Denny and Don and Joseph and Art would open. Yes? But boy, he cut that limb off. He said, look at me, give me your attention. And the Bible tells us that the lame man looked at him expecting to receive something from him. And he said, I don't have any money. Silver and gold have I none, but there is a thing that I do have. What did he possess? Well, he possessed the ability to use the authority that Jesus gave him in his name. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise and walk. And the Bible says he took him by the hand. He's already walked out far enough when he said, look at me and listen to what I'm saying. He already cut that branch off. And then he goes a step further and grabs the man by his hand. Like this guy is living recklessly. Or is he living by faith? This in no way, shape, or form is to pat me on the back at all. All the glory goes to Jesus, but I've been there <laughs> more than once. Such a power comes coursing through your body, and when you reach out your hand and you cut that branch off, they're going to either remove you from the building or everybody's about to go crazy and give praise to Jesus. But when you grab someone sitting in a wheelchair... It is on. Are you here? I've seen it happen two times. Praise God, I'm batting a thousand, and that goes to him. But I've seen it twice. So you want to get out of that chair? Yeah, I'll get out of that chair. Well, then get up and walk. I think if we cut branches more and open up doors more, I still know the man who pulls people out of wheelchairs. Still, can you imagine? <laughs> we, we think about what it feels like for us to be used, but for the person sitting in a wheelchair or for the person on an oxygen mask or for the person laying on the mat out there at the gate, what it felt like when the power of God hit them and brought life to their body. And I'm telling you today, church, that he'll still do it through you. He'll still do it today. He'll still honor his word. He'll still step through that door. He'll still, he'll still look for the opportunity to show himself strong. Amen. He's still looking, according to Jeremiah, to and fro among the earth, seeking out and searching the places that he can show himself faithful to honor his word and honor his covenant. And we said last week, when we sit and listen to the testimony of people and some of the hellish things that they've been through, we can still hold fast to this one thing. Jesus Christ was crucified 
to take care of that. He was crucified for the sins of the world. He was crucified for sickness and disease. He was crucified to resurrect marriages and relationships and businesses and minds and finance. He, was, he paid an ultimate price to be able to break into the condition of humanity and allow God to step in to the condition that humanity is in. And I'm telling you this and encouraging you this morning. It can start with something just as simple as, Lord, go to work with me today. I know you'll never leave me and not forsake me. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is, just like in worship on Sunday morning, overshadow me with your glory that people will see your power. You would get the praise. You would get the honor. You'd get the glory. But that someone would be touched. Someone could be rescued from hell, that someone could be healed, that someone could be delivered, that someone's mind could be at peace and at rest. Amen. Isn't that our heart cry? That we would take the things that we've received that Jesus told us to freely give and actually start freely giving them away. The same authority that Peter had to do it, we had to do it. The same power that Peter had to do it, the, the person and power of the Holy Spirit, we've received. I want to encourage you this morning as we continue in these things, especially looking toward these, these events, but not just looking toward the, the encounter events themselves, but every day of our life. You know what? Personally, I want to have an encounter event every day, like on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? I want to have an encounter event on a Saturday. I want to have an encounter event every day of my life that we are preparing ourselves, practicing God's presence in our lives, and moving out to, to really bring God to a lost and hurting and dying world. Bring the person of Jesus Christ that they could have a personal encounter with him. You know, it's interesting when we think about this, and I'll close this down. Did you get anything out of this this morning? I mean, like I said, we didn't turn to a scripture, but we quoted a lot of them. One thing that always chews me up, I don't even know why I'm walking into this one. I'm setting myself up for a fall here. This little old Samaritan woman. Minding her own business and going to a well to get water. Same thing she probably did every single day for her whole entire life. And here comes Jesus and totally changed her life for eternity. I mean, ruined her for this world. Looks over at her and says, give me something to drink. She says, why are you coming to a well and you have nothing to draw from the well with? And he said, <laughs> I'm drawing from a different well, lady. He said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who said unto you, give me a drink, then you would ask for eternal life. <laughs> I mean, minding her own business. And the thing that drives me is that I have the person 
of Jesus Christ living on the inside of me. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ who's living in me. I'm looking for opportunities where I just come up on some little old lady at a well and ruin her life <laughs> for this world. Amen? Just everything changes. Jesus said, tell me about your husbands. Um, tell me about what you've been doing today. Um, just totally changed everything about her. But I think if we're not careful, religion and the spirit of religion that fights against and pushes back against the spirit of Christ, if we're not careful then we think, well, that was just Jesus' day, and it was a special dispensation. Actually, I have news for you. If you read the Bible, the Bible tells us that we are now in a special dispensation, and she was not in a special dispensation. We are in the dispensation of grace, which is also called the church age. So the special has come because Jesus died, amen? And here we have the same power in the very person of Christ. One translation of Paul's letter there in Galatians 2.20 says that I have a different life. One that has never existed before and God himself is living his life in my body. Living his life in my body. It's no longer I that live, but Christ is living in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The knowledge of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We really can have women with the issue of blood encounters with people because the Christ is on the inside of us. Not a fashion or a form or a part or a portion, but his fullness and his power is healing in his nature. Peter says we've been partakers of the divine nature. The one who walked on water lives on the inside of me, and I take him wherever I go. The one who cleansed the lepers is living in me. The one who went and visited Zacchaeus and sat in his house on the inside of me. I'll do you one better. The one who breathes out planets, <laughs> he exhales the universe and measures the span of the galaxies in the span of his hand. He's on the inside of me too. And if I can just be consciously aware that I'm, we're not just having some arbitrary meeting with somebody. But what if God really, what if God really, now I don't think everything is the will of God. What if God really did set me up to meet somebody? Because the Bible tells me that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So what if I'm really coming into contact with a Samaritan woman at the well? What if I'm coming into contact with a woman with the issue of blood? Or what if I'm coming into contact with a Jairus whose daughter is sick unto death? And it happens at work. Am I doing the job that I'm doing? And I know that this is difficult, but am I doing it with bickering and complaining 
Or am I doing it wholeheartedly under the Lord and allowing God an open door to step through? Well, I don't have a job. Perfect. Then how's your attitude toward anything else that you're doing? It, it applies to every one of us, no matter what it is that we're talking about. Our attitude of worship, our attitude of thanksgiving, our lifestyle, are we opening up doors for God to step in and step through and to come into contact with those people? Because there are still people today, like it or not, that their daughters are lying on a bed sick unto death. Yeah? There are still people today who have issues of blood, either through hemorrhaging or sickness or disease in the blood. And if they can come into contact with Jesus, everyone who came into contact with Jesus was healed. If they can come into contact with Jesus, they can still be healed today because the fourth time, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now the only difference is instead of one body of a man standing on planet Earth named Jesus from Nazareth, the man from Galilee, now he's reproduced himself on the inside of each and every one of us by the person of the Holy Spirit and the, the eternal seed of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And now he's touching everybody if we'll open up a door and allow them to step through. Still healing women with the issue of blood. Still raising up. <laughs> we reposted a tweet, or a, excuse me, a, a Facebook post of Dr. Mize on our church. Did anybody see that? Pictures of the baby girl that God raised up from the dead, laying there dead. Pictures of her laying dead. Two pictures, not living. The next picture living. Jesus is still touching people. He's just doing it through us. He's doing it through us. Practice the presence of the Lord. Understand, acknowledge. Lord, help us. Bring revelation to us, Father. Bring understanding to us that we are not trying to be your hands and your feet. We are your body. I'm not trying to be your hands. It's not something I even want to do. It's not a matter of want. I am the body of Christ. I am. It's a matter of fact. And Lord, as they come into contact with me, then literally they come into contact with heaven. They come into contact with you. And sickness can't stay any longer because your perfect love drives out all fear drives out all sickness, drives out all disease, drives out any demonic oppression or possession or authority. It must bend and bow its knee to the weight and the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you that we don't have to sit here and cry out to you, oh God, use us. You so hunger and thirst and desire to use us more than we could ever desire to be used. We're not looking, Father God, for you to give us opportunities. We're asking that you would open up our eyes that we can see those opportunities that you've already given. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your power. And Lord, not that we're any better than anybody else, but if we're the only group of people on planet Earth that believe it, at least we believe it. And you can look and find faith here. You can look and find faith here that we have confidence in what you've said that you would do. And we give you, God, all the honor and all the glory. Jesus, we give you all the majesty and dominion that's ascribed to your name. We freely worship you. We freely adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you get anything out of that this morning?
Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I really believe it. I believe that I believe that I believe that the, the powerless church who will not allow the move of the Holy Spirit and will not allow... You know, if you take miracles out of the ministry of Jesus, you take a huge portion of everything he did in the earth and just say, that's done. Well, and that means that God loved the people back then more than he loves the people today. Are you here? He cared more about those people than he cares about the people living today? I don't think so. God is love, and I don't think he changes and says, well, you know, I just can't reach like I did then. You know, Peter and John, when they, when they left after being sternly warned and strongly rebuked, threatened, they went back and gathered in the house. And the disciples were there, and the Bible says that they prayed. And as they prayed and said that signs and wonders and miracles would be done by thy holy servant Jesus, as you stretch out your hand to heal, the Bible says that the house where they were assembled began to quake. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for demonstrations of the power of God that not just makes me quake, but makes the foundations of the building where we're assembled quake, and that everybody in the house is blessed and touched and healed and delivered and set free. Amen. I really believe this. I really believe that we have been made for signs and wonders unto our God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this service today. Now, God, we can leave here today because it's a personal connection to us. You've given us by your spirit, I believe, encouragement today. You've helped us see and understand more clearly. We can take this sermon, Lord, if that's what it should be called, and work it today. We don't have to wait can be put to practice today. We can see your goodness. We can see your mercy. We can see your love. We can see your power reaching, Father. And we thank you for the word. We thank you for encouraging us. In Jesus' name, amen.